what would happen if there were 24 teams at the Rugby World Cup? The idea has been touted as a serious possibility in the future. In this video, you are going to get a front row seat as I attempt to answer that question. I will analyse, examine, recommend an ideal format and reveal who the additional four teams will be. Let's get started. So the Rugby World Cup started in 1987 with 16 teams. All of them were invited to take part in that inaugural event in New Zealand and Australia. The quarter-finalists qualified automatically for the next World Cup in 1991, co-hosted by the Five Nations. Similarly, the quarter-finalists all advanced to automatic qualification for South Africa in 1995. But in that tournament, the rules actually changed and only the top three teams qualified automatically for the next World Cup. That actually meant that the third, fourth place playoff became an important match. But with all of the other teams having to qualify, this resulted in a farcical competition. For example, Australia had to play against Fiji, Samoa and Tonga in order to qualify for 1999. The Wallabies scored 165 points in those three matches and only conceded 33, making a mockery of the whole idea of a team such as them having to qualify. Similarly, in Europe, there were some embarrassingly high scores, because unnecessary. Have a look at that. Ireland 70-0 over Georgia, England 110-0 over the Netherlands, Scotland 85-11 over Portugal and 85-3 over Spain. At least the Spanish victory over Portugal was a close match. Sanity prevailed and the quarter-finalists from 1999 again qualified for 2003. But there was another awkward thing that happened in 99. The tournament was expanded from 16 teams to 20 teams. And for whatever reason, there were now five pools of four teams each. And this created an awkward situation where the five pool winners advanced to the quarterfinals, the runners-up and the best third-place team went on to a playoff round. And that playoff round was played on the Tuesday in between the last pool matches and the quarterfinals. And unsurprisingly, the three teams that won their playoff match on the Tuesday would go on and lose their quarterfinal on the weekend. And that's because rugby is the kind of sport where you can't really play two matches per week. But all of this was sorted out in time for 2003, when they went back to having four pools, but now having five teams in each of the pools, and that is the format that we still have today. And now, if you finish third in your pool, you also qualify for the next Rugby World Cup. Now, there were always going to be teething problems, and yes, there were a few hidings that were handed out in those earlier tournaments. In 1995, New Zealand put 145 points past Japan. In 1999, two teams notched a century. The same story applied in 2003. In 07, there was one ton and a few 70s and 80s as well as one 90. By 2011, only once did a team manage to reach 80 points against a minnow. That was the Springboks against Namibia. And in 2015, the highest score was 65. 
Now in 2019 there was a 71 and a few 60s, but it was largely similar to what we saw in 2015. And I know that statistics can be manipulated to make it say whatever you want it to say, but I do think that this shows that the gap between the biggest teams and the smaller teams is getting closer. Now okay, all that this might tell us is that teams defend better than what they used to, especially the smaller teams. But I also think that with the game becoming more professional and players from smaller countries playing in so-called bigger countries, that it is inevitable that with the access to better coaching, better training facilities, better training techniques, better recovery programs, better diets, that you now see teams, smaller teams, and players from those smaller teams play to a higher standard. Quick disclaimer guys, everything I just said was recorded before the 2023 Rugby World Cup kicked off and I know that teams like Namibia and Romania have made a mockery of the points that I've made. However, I would say that there have been some mitigating factors. For example, some of these smaller teams have only played seven tests between the two World Cups. Now I know that some of that had to do with COVID, but the bottom line is that these smaller teams need to play more tests against the bigger boys. Something that could possibly be proposed or even mandated by World Rugby is that every Tier 1 nation has to play X number of test matches each year against Tier 2 opponents. Now I'm not expecting that to be five, X that is, but maybe one or two, and you could even make it geographical. So for example, the Springboks could play an annual test match against Namibia, maybe even two. Argentina could play against Uruguay and or Chile every year. Australia, New Zealand, they could play Fiji, Samoa and Tonga once or twice every year. That might not be a bad way to go. It's not perfect, but it is a start. So despite seeing those hidings taken by the likes of Namibia and Romania at the 2023 Rugby World Cup, and quite frankly the biggest hidings we've seen since the 2007 Rugby World Cup, which incidentally was also held in France, so maybe it shouldn't be held there in the first place, that's just a little joke, I still believe the likes of Namibia and Romania can get themselves back on track. And speaking of the Minnows, it's not as if the likes of Chile embarrassed themselves of this tournament. In fact, they played quite well and they were quite entertaining to boot. And Portugal have been arguably everybody's second favourite team. We want to see more of them, not less. So I stand by what I said before the tournament. And now let's get back to the rest of what I had to say in the original recording. Now if we were to add four teams to the World Cup, I am sure that there might be a few bigger scores that we will see, especially in the initial stages, but that should come down soon enough. But what would a 2014 World Cup look like? What would the format be? There are four options. Number one, you keep the current format of four pools and add a sixth team. I don't like this option. I see it as adding nothing but two meaningless matches minimum to each pool. Take Pool B at the Rugby World Cup in 2023 for example. You have South Africa, Scotland, Ireland, Romania and Tonga. Now no doubt about it, Ireland and Scotland are the two most difficult matches for the Springboks who would be expected to defeat Romania and Tonga fairly comfortably. Now let's add the USA as a sixth team in this pool. All that you're doing is giving the Springboks an additional easy match and Ireland and Scotland would also have an additional easy match. So you're actually adding three 
fairly meaningless matches by adding a sixth team in the pool, and that is why I don't like this format. By my count, you now have at least three pointless matches just in our pool. If you apply that across the board into four pools, that means you have 12 additional meaningless matches at the Rugby World Cup. That is not what we want. Now, I grant you that adding four teams to the World Cup is going to result in one or two hidings, but we do want to integrate them into the tournament in the best way possible. Also, with this format having four pools of six teams, that means that the pool stage will likely go on for six weeks, and that is just too long. On a side note, this format will give you 68 matches. The current Rugby World Cup format has 48 matches, so World Rugby would actually like this format because it gives them 20 additional matches, and that means more content, which means they can charge more for broadcasting rights, and that way they make more money. So more matches is a good thing if you're World Rugby, but we're trying to get to a point where we do have more matches, but hopefully more meaningful matches, which makes the content better for us, the fans, to enjoy. Do you really know your rugby? Do you always get your predictions right? Why not make some money then? Open an account right now with Tic Tac Bets and get up to 2,000 Rand and 20 spins with your first deposit. The link is appearing on your screen and I'll also put it in the description area. Please note that this is an affiliate link and I will make a little commission on it. Winners know when to stop. National Responsible Gambling Program. Toll free helpline 0800 006 008. No persons under the age of 18 years are permitted to gamble. Option number two. You can do what the European Football Championships currently do, as well as what the Africa Cup of Nations does, and you can have six pools with four teams each. That will result in the top two teams from each pool advancing to the last 16 and four third-place teams advancing alongside them. I don't like this format either. For me, what makes a tournament magical is the element of jeopardy. Now, when you have four teams in a pool and three of them can possibly advance to the next round, you don't have a lot of jeopardy. You could lose your first match and probably lose or draw your second match and still advance by winning your third match. That makes for a boring competition. You want a situation where if a team does lose their opening match, they know that they have to win every match after that in order to advance or otherwise they're probably going home. That's Jeopardy, and that's what makes it exciting. Nevertheless, this format will give you 52 matches, in contrast to the 48 that the Rugby World Cup currently has. So again, this is something that World Rugby would almost certainly be happy to entertain as an option. And that brings me to the third choice that we have on the table. Eight pools of three. Talk about Jeopardy! You'd have to have a last 16 round, okay, because you can't have a situation where only the pool winners go to the quarterfinals because South Africa, New Zealand, France, England, Ireland, imagine you lose one game in your pool and then that's basically the end of your tournament. So yes, we want Jeopardy, but it can't be that extreme. There are a couple of issues that I do have with this format, though. A lot of teams, especially the smaller guys, spend years trying to qualify for the Rugby World Cup. Now, if you do that and you actually get to the main tournament and you are in a pool that only has three teams, that means you only play two matches. And I feel like you should play at least three matches. Two just doesn't feel right. You want Chile, Namibia, etc. to have a little bit more. 
They've earned the right to be at the World Cup. And in some cases, within a space of six days maybe, their World Cup could be over. And I just don't think that that is fair necessarily, but it's certainly not in the spirit of the World Cup, if there even is such a thing. The other problem with this format is that you would only have 40 matches. Remember, the current format has 48, so I think that this is a definite non-starter as far as world rugby is concerned. And that brings me to option four. Six pools of four teams, just like we had in the second option, but in this case, only the top two teams will advance to the second round of the World Cup. I'll explain in a moment. Now I'm going to pluck the world rankings from the time that I'm recording this video to give you an idea of what each of those pools would look like. Pool A, Ireland, Argentina, Samoa, Romania. Pool B, New Zealand, Australia, Italy, Spain. Pool C, France, Wales, Tonga, Namibia. Pool D, South Africa, Fiji, Portugal, Chile. Pool E, Scotland, Georgia, Uruguay, Canada. Pool F, England, Japan, USA, Hong Kong. Okay, so before we delve into that, who are the four additional teams? Spain, Hong Kong, Canada, and the United States of America. Those four are the highest ranked teams at the time of recording that did not qualify for the Rugby World Cup. Now let's take a quick look at each of these hypothetical pools. Pool A. I think we know who the top two will be, but we know Samoa will give them both a good game, and I don't expect Romania to take a 70-point hiding. Pool B. Again, we are fairly confident who the top two will be, although given Australia's form, you wouldn't quite write off Italy. Spain are in danger of taking a proper whipping. Pool C, again, I think we can safely predict the top two, but you know Tonga will be competitive, especially with the new eligibility rules, meaning they have been bolstered by some high-quality players. Namibia have shown that they are improving with each World Cup, although I don't think they'd get a win here. Pool D, okay, here you feel you know who will be one and who will be two. This is a fairly weak pool, I grant you. Pool E, I actually think this is quite a nice pool. Sure, Scotland should win it without too much fuss, but Georgia are a decent side, and Uruguay showed four years ago that they are also fast improving. The battle for second place here could be fascinating. Pool F, despite their horrid form, you've got to say it's England that will win this pool, with Japan in second. Hong Kong are going to need a few tournaments to settle, but if they don't qualify, it could be Russia, just to give you an idea. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not consider becoming a patron? You can click on my Patreon link, I'll put it on the screen as well as in the description box, and there will be great benefits for members. Now let me explain how and why the top two teams advance to a knockout round that only has 12 teams in it, because I know your brain has been trying to figure out how on earth is this going to work, and the answer to that question is that it doesn't. I am not going to have a knockout round as my second stage. Instead, I'm going to have a second pool stage. Let me explain. In the initial pool stage, we have six pools with four teams each. The top two advance. We now have 12 teams, and I am going to divide them into four pools of three teams each. Now, I spoke about jeopardy earlier, and I grant you that in this first pool stage, there might not be too much jeopardy, but the one nice thing about it is that within three weeks, the pool stage has come to an end. So even if it is a little bit predictable here and there, and there are one or two hidings, within three weeks, it's over. 
It also means that the minnows get a fair share of matches. The big boys get their games, and here and there, there is certainly scope for an upset. As well as a scenario where a team might have to beat an opponent of similar strength in order to qualify for this second round. For the second pool phase, this is what I'm going to do. Only the winner advances to the semi-finals. Talk about jeopardy. And if you lose, you're not out, but it's virtually impossible to qualify for the semi-finals from there. So what might this second pool stage look like? Well, based on the assumptions of what we think would happen in our hypothetical pool A, B, C, D, E and F, this is what I have for you. We're going to call it pool G, H, I and J, by the way. Pool G, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Pool H, New Zealand, England, Fiji. Pool I, France, Argentina, Georgia. Pool J, South Africa, Australia, Japan. Right, let's ignore current form for the moment and just go on historical performance. Given how the Six Nations typically plays out, I invite you to tell me with any kind of confidence who you believe will win Group G. Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Any of those three could win that pool depending on the year. We have a proper pool of death. Pool H, I grant you that Fiji are unlikely to cause too many problems for New Zealand. But again, going on historical performances, there's no reason why England couldn't win that pool and beat the All Blacks in doing so. See, this is exciting. Pool J, South Africa, Australia, Japan. Now, I know that both the Springboks and the Wallabies should be beating the Japanese, but we all know what happened in 2015. And South Africa and Australia, they've got an incredible rivalry. If you look at the numbers since readmission, it's almost 50-50. So there's absolutely no way of knowing who would win this pool. And how about Pool I? Again, Georgia are unlikely to trouble France and Argentina, but again, if we look at historical performances, there is no way of knowing for sure that France would beat the Argentines. Los Pumas have had a lot of success over Le Bleu over the years, so it's anyone's match. And so the winners of each of those pools advance to the semi-finals, and then of course you have the final. Now, I love this format. I think it gives you that traditional feel of four teams in each pool. The minnows get some games, the big boys get their game time as well, and then you have a lot of jeopardy in between as well, which makes for an exciting tournament. And then, of course, everyone loves semi-finals and finals. In this format, the tournament will have 52 matches. And again, that is important because World Rugby would like to have something that has more than the current 48. I would also argue that in this format, we have more meaningful matches, more mouth-watering clashes to boot than the current 48 team tournament. What do you think? What is your preferred format? Let me know in the comments section below what your thoughts are on what I have described here. See you next time.